0: Is the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. This is a part three of an interview with Karen Olson as we've been discussing how the brain learns. Today's focus on the last part of that process and looking at patterns that the brain is picking up and how it uses it then later in programs and how whenever that pattern and program don't communicate well or the brain has a hard time pulling up the right program to solve a problem, there becomes an issue and then how the brain works through those issues. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast now as we join Karen Olson and Kendall Terry. And all of this is building the, as you described it, the the application portion. Um, you're setting in, we call it from pattern to program. We're, we're building this program. We're, we're putting this program into a, um, our brain so that we now know how to do the pattern. How you know whether that's the steps of multiplication, the the pattern of a science you know piece that you're working on, and so you're trying to set that program so that we can get to the final phase, which is kind of that mastery um, application phase where they've they've got the all the right parts and pieces the way they've learned it, and now when I encounter this in a new way. How can I apply what I've learned and bring it up, which is an important part of learning. It's not just about putting it in. We've gotta be able to then bring that back out um, at the appropriate time and say, okay, wait a second, I've done this before, or I have a pattern here that might work. Um, One of the things that I think about with that is, um, and I've been in a lot of professional development, a lot of professional growth uh, sessions, training sessions, uh, conference sessions um, where, you know, they'll come in and say, "Okay, we're going to do this activity where we're going to build a tower." And every group's trying to build the highest tower that'll hold the most uh, support and that sort of thing. Well, the first time I ever did that, I I knew that I'd had a, you know, some kind of memory of, you know, using rolls, you know, taking a, a paper ta- or a, a newspaper and rolling it up real tight and, you know, kind of taping that closed that that was going to be a really strong support. And so you, you say, okay, wait a second. In my group, I'm saying, okay, we need to roll these. Well, why do we need to do this? Well, you can get strong support, not because I've built this tower before, but because I know that you can get, You know, I, I remember the teacher showing this analogy of the rolled paper kind of holding the textbook or whatever in, in a class I was in. And so you go, okay, if we build it out of the rolling and uh, the paper that we have and that sort of thing, we can get a good support. And then you think of, well, the best, you know, kind of supports I've I've seen are triangles. Maybe I remember, you know, I've seen this in a bridge. I've seen them kind of go at different angles and that gives good support. And so you start to put all of these things that you've learned together in a new uh, environment and hopefully you come up with the right solution. And that's that kind of mastery piece that we're looking for is can you apply what you've learned now to a new scenario or to a scenario that makes sense for why you would apply that learning?
1: yes and the, the the building of programs and having them stored in long term memory so you can pull them up is, is what you're just describing here so and and the definition of a program is a way of using what you know to make something happen and when it's finally in long term memory it become you can you can run it, that program off with automaticity and driving a car is a good example for those of us that have driven a million miles in our in our day (laughs) um, nothing distracts our attention from the road we can be talking to people we can whatever we got in the car in the first place and we didn't say okay first you unlock it and then you put the key in the ignition and then you turn the key and then you know it's safety Uh -uh. all of that is done um subconsciously really it's you select the program that you've wired into long-term memory um you know i i need to buy groceries for dinner that was the the discussion you had with yourself bingo you pull up that program that's there and ready and off you go and and then say you go and rent a car uh and the windows the button is the reverse of the one you have. (laughs) So you start off with your automaticity. I'm going to drive to this, wherever I'm going to give this workshop or wherever I'm going to, you know, buy groceries or whatever it is I'm going to do. And and all of a sudden, it's, it's like in the middle of that, the program didn't work because the window didn't go the direction it was supposed to. At that point, as we stop and go back and pick up another program and picking and choosing among the programs we have we can come, we can handle a brand new situation Yeah. um, or come up with something really creative design. This is where creativity comes from as well, is, uh, but we cannot uh, pull up something that we never stored in the first place. So the fourth step of learning, the fourth fourth phase is that we practice something so it gets wired into long-term memory and it's there to be accessed. And once accessed, it can be run automatically so we can be thinking of something else. And a classroom example of that is I've learned my multiplication uh, tables um, well enough that it's automatic so that when I start to do a division problem, I don't have to go back and rethink how to do multiplication. It's there and available. Boom. And all my attention then can be put on the next thing that I'm learning or the next challenge that I face.
0: For people listening, I think that they, once again, like you were giving examples, they have examples that they go back to then to go, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, I know it's always fun when you get into a car and it starts in a different way than what your pattern is. You know, the key, maybe it goes in the wrong, you know some keys go in the steering column and then others go now in the dashboard and some have a button you just push and you get in. And sometimes you, you almost have that like feeling of, of like, I am stupid right now. Like, why can't I get this car to start? And it's like, Oh, well, I, I'm not actually using the right program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to reset your brain now. <laughs> uh, and then pretty quickly that becomes the pattern that you use. And then you go back to a different vehicle and it's like, it takes you a minute to go back and pull up the correct pa- program again. You know, and you got to think about starting the car and you are yes. you realize that's that, that wasn't what I was thinking about doing when I got in the car uh, was thinking about where the key goes. Uh, but it's different. My wife, my wife's car is different than mine. And so they start different, you know, and I'll get in her car to go do something. And it takes me a minute sometimes to go, Oh yeah. When I'm in my wife's car, this is how it starts as opposed to in mine. Um, and it's just funny that process that we deal with as as adults, and and you know kids go through that same process, and it's just a matter of you know we want them to use this in the right way in the classroom, um, and I think it's it's fantastic that you can see all of this now with the technology that's there with brain scans of actually how the 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 brain is is processing what's happening around it and and kind of where the blood flow is going at that time, uh, what neurons are being fired and and uh just that whole side of of what we can see in in scans and science now that continues to reiterate oh yeah this is why we do it this way and uh i think it's fascinating i I love reading about it i love uh, seeing it listening to videos uh talk about it um i guess that's part of my nerd nature of uh i just i love kind of diving into that well
1: and it's so helpful when things um when is something that you've been dealing with for a while when, when the brain research can explain why. A- an example that just uh, hit me is that when, you, um, when you're doing something and, and your program doesn't work like you get in your wife's car and, and you reach for the key and <laughs> that's not where it is, when our programs don't work and we have to abort because it's not uh, working, Uh, we're wired up uh, in in such a way that that is very upsetting. Mm. And it's part of our survival mechanism because when something doesn't work, all of our attention smash gets pulled up immediately. There's upset, there's anxiety, there's worry, uh, and it's we've got to fix that because it could be a life and death kind of situation. In a, uh, a truly life and death situation, the anxiety level is super high when the program doesn't work. So this car cuts me off. It's uh, very, very windy. My trailer has been you know, pushing me around for some time. I hit the brakes, we're going downhill and swerve, and this car shoots right in He actually disappeared below my window on the passenger yeah. side. That's how close we were to smacking together. And off down the road he is so and from the time he disappeared, um, my vision blanked out when he was that close to me. I saw nothing until several seconds later and then I see the car going down the road. And then there's another awareness of what I'm doing to regain control it isn't working. Mm. So that was my automatic program is to steer in a way that would do that. but. A, you know a, a a brain aha is that program isn't working and if there's one more waggle of the trailer here I'm probably going to flip over and that's probably the death of my horse mm. so uh, the, so the, then the cerebral <laughs> the frontal lobes took over and said this isn't working what do we need to do so the information that came um, from the cerebral cortex was dummy you're going downhill and your trailer is traveling faster than you are so if you don't speed up your truck
0: <laughs> you are going
1: to crash and so boom on the pedal and and it straightened out again so there are levels of panic if you will that go that are associated with a program that doesn't work and uh and then trying to pull out of that so uh, in in a lesser version of that in a, in a classroom is if I'm always the slow mo, uh, and my skill level is always a year, two years, three years behind my classmates, I go through this um, panic uh, piece of an upset of my programs don't work, mm. and I'm a, I can be upset all day. Uh, and for a teacher i'm not home there to be taught Uh, i'm my brain is just somewhere else the emotions are are too high and i'm just not um in a i'm not teachable at that point right so when programs don't work um it, it is it's very disruptive and i think as as educators and even as parents we don't See that hidden piece of behavior and response from children, because it interferes with our next attempt uh, to
0: teach. And I know that you know you interact with kids in the classroom. You definitely see this. Sometimes as a teacher, we we don't recognize it um, maybe the way we should. But it's a kid will freeze up, and you know you're you know as a teacher that they do know the next step, but they'll say. You know, I did everything I can, or I don't know anything else. And you know, and you're going, you know, just yesterday in a conversation with me, you you were able to walk through this and you were fine. Like something is going on, and they're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Um, they've also got now fawn as part of that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Um, but when they get in that mode, of their brain literally is not in a in a pattern now that it can really bring up what you as a teacher might even know they know uh, because they've hit some wall in in this activity or in in their learning and so you've got to now back up and say okay recognize that they're in this fight flight freeze or fawn mode let me do some things to help them get out of that and if i can get them out of that i think we can get back to the learning that needs to happen and and them you know being able to apply and and process this and get to a better place but too oftentimes a kid reacts in a way that, you know, come, becomes a behavior problem maybe or becomes a, you know, well, you get sent to the principal's office or whatever. And so it's it's helping our teachers recognize, okay, they could just be in this mode. They could be having this cognitive dis- dissidence in their brain right now. And it's set them off into a way that they literally can't think um, or they can't use the words they need to use right now, right? When you've had that discussion and, and they're like, I can't even tell you why I'm mad, and it's like they've they've kind of hit this wall, and you've got to help them get out of that mode and into a mode then that they can add vocabulary to what is going on, or, or be able to to get back into this mode of you do know how to do this.
1: Yeah, it's it's a um, for a student, it's a difficult place to be, uh, and it and it speaks to the importance of teaching everything that we've just been talking about to students in an age appropriate way that they can they can understand. Because if I know why I don't have words to even say why I'm mad, uh, if I if I know it just I pulled up a program to use and it was the wrong one, or maybe I don't even know the right one, which is often a case in a misbehavior. I have uh, my I have too many programs for misbehaving and not enough <laughs> programs for behaving in a way that gets me what I ultimately most want. So, um, it, it, so, but as a kid, if I understand that whole process and I realize I just smacked against the wall, and, uh, and 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 that's why I am where I am, I can get out of it much faster than if I just am horrified. I don't know what's going on
0: yeah and and I think for people listening, you're seeing why this model is is a little bit um, difficult to explain quickly. Uh, you know, this will be one of several podcasts uh, now uh, as people are listening to it. Uh, but it's there's so much that's really going on. When we talk about learning in the classroom, um, it's not easy to accomplish. Uh, there's a lot that you're thinking about and trying to put into play all at one time. And that's why it's an art form. That's why it's professional people that we want teaching our, our children, right? Um, is that this takes some thought, this takes some time, and, and, and it takes some intention. And it's very complex. And we talk about Uh, implementing this model with our our teachers, a a teacher that's never taught inside of the system that we have here. It takes them several years to really get in a place where they feel good about it sometimes um, because it takes some trial and error. Not that they're not good teachers during the time. They're teaching well and they're doing good things. It's just trying to really grasp and understand the model and all of the things that are happening in the brain. We regularly talk about this with our staff here. We we have brain research sections of our PD every week where people bring in new ideas about the brain, new understanding about the brain um, that we've just seen our staff really... Uh, grab onto. It's been fun listening to all the different things that they've brought in concerning what's out there in brain research and what people know about how the brain learns and that sort of thing. Um, and so there's, there's way more, uh, information in the book that, uh, hopefully will come out and we'll make sure people know when that comes out. Uh, and we're, we're still in that process of, of, I think you were talking about it, it getting ready to be uh, sent to editors or, or, um, not editors, uh, proofreaders or something like that uh, in an email the other day to me but um, we're excited about that thank you so much Karen for setting down and talking through this there's there's so much more of the model that we could talk about I think we'll have to set up another uh, interview down the road where we dig a little bit deeper into some of the other intricacies of the model we didn't even talk about stuff like the body brain compatible elements we mentioned them in there but we didn't really focus on that terminology and so uh, I think we could talk uh, about that there's Uh, the power of emotions that we could have went in a little bit deeper with, uh, and so much more of why we do what we do here at CBA. But I appreciate you talking through this part of our model with me and uh, taking the time to, to walk through some of this with our listeners. My pleasure. This has been the Ignition Point, Clayton Bradley Academy's podcast, where every day we work to help students excel through critical thinking, problem solving, collaboration, and use of our lifelong guidelines and life skills. If you'd like to find out more about the model that we use here at CBA or more about what we do with our students, you can visit us on our website, www.claytonbradleyacademy.org, or you can find us on social media sites at CBA STEM or at Clayton Bradley Academy. We hope you have a wonderful day.